Hello and welcome to episode 267 of your in, of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson. Now, uh, we've had a couple of very special episodes recently, uh, namely uh, the most recent one, uh, the Paul Asciante Ep, Ep 266. And uh, today's episode is also one of those special ones as well. Uh, Canada recently announced, uh, Squash Canada did, uh, its 2023 Squash Hall of Fame inductees, uh, Lolly Gillen, Dick Pound, Saber Butt, who reached world number 32 and ha- uh, just one of the uh, the most illustrious uh, squash careers uh, uh, that any Canadians ever had. And also included in that uh, is Jamie Crombie. Equally, he reached uh, world number 32 and has represented uh, Canada on the, on the world stage uh, countless times, both as a junior and as an open-level player. Saber and Jamie are, without question, uh, two players synonymous with uh, the best squash Canada has had to offer over the years. And today we've got Jamie back on the pod uh, on this very special episode uh, episode to look back at his illustrious career, which uh, started as a junior in Calgary. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, represented Canada on countless occasions both as a junior and in the senior ranks and we look back at all of that today but before we do so let's talk about our sponsor open squash the new york-based nonprofit dedicated to bringing thousands of new people into the sport by making it more accessible and more affordable for everyone they've brought on board several like-minded psa pros like former world number one and recent British Open champion Ali Farag, Victor Quinn, Gina Kennedy, Commonwealth Games gold medalist, amongst many others. And right now, if your family, if your family's uh, planning to be in and around the New York City area this summer, you want to check out Open Squash, check out their website because of their outrageously fun squash summer camps, which will be taking place at the Bryant Park location. Uh, Open Squash is the only New York City squash uh, summer camp geared specifically toward new and newer players. Their half-day and full-day programs are jam-packed with fitness and fun. Discover an exhilarating way to move the body, focus the mind, and form close bonds at these summer camps. Check out the summer camps on the www.opensquash.org website for dates, how to enroll, and discounts that you may be able to avail yourself uh, from. Check out all of this at opensquash.org. www.opensquash.org and now uh, really uh, really love this episode because a buddy of mine Jamie Crombie just inducted into the the, uh, Squash Canada Hall of Fame Jamie Crombie the Kromsky episode 267 Jerry hey 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 how are you how are you Really good. Yourself? Good to hear your voice. Good to hear your voice. You sound just like you did back in the mid '80s, the late late '80s, early '90s. <laughs> yeah, as long as yeah, just is everything else has changed. Voice stay the same. I'm I'm okay with that. No, no. I mean, you still look the same too. Jesus <laughs> Christ, you haven't aged at all, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably faster now than you were as well. No, just actually, he's probably smarter before I used to overrun the ball, and now I can't. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good thing, eh? Yeah. <laughs> hey, but, uh, Jamie, really, uh, I'm, I'm really proud uh, of uh, what you've accomplished I here. I mean, uh, uh, Hall of Fame 
Canadian Squash Hall of Fame. Uh, so proud uh, of what you were able to accomplish there. You've had a tremendous uh, career and I've been, uh, you know, I was there for parts of it here and there throughout the early years. But, uh, you know, you just got, I saw the induction letter that you posted on uh, social media and uh, just, uh, you know, uh, give us a sort of how that all came about. I mean, uh, with the induction letter, how did you hear about the announcement? How did you hear that you would you were about to be inducted? Was it a surprise or did you uh, figure it was uh, bound to happen? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't. It's kind of actually a funny story. Uh, so I got a phone call out of the blue uh, last week saying that I got inducted to the University of Western Ontario Sports Hall of Fame. Mm. And then I phoned my wife driving home. Like, hey, honey, I, <laughs> I just got inducted to my, my college's uh, Hall of Fame. She goes, oh, my God, I just heard about Squash Canada getting you in. So <laughs> she had heard through the grapevine. So then she spilled the beans that I potentially was getting inducted. <laughs> and so she blew that. Uh, so then I kind of found out like five days later that I actually did get inducted to the Canadian Hall of Fame. So okay, I'd so heard she had heard from someone uh, before you. Yeah, she hadn't heard about the Western thing exactly, and so she just thought it was it was Squash Canada's, not University of Western Ontario. So it's kind of a funny story that she 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 blew it for Squash Canada. But I mean, regardless, I was like super excited. I mean, that was like. Um, you know, I, from 1984, when I guess I first made the Canadian junior till like 99, I was a part of, you know, the national team at some level, whether it's senior junior. So it was a big part of my life. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's really nice to be recognized. You don't, I, I, it's never a given, but the fact that it was, it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> so. oh, absolutely. I mean, if I were on the board or, or the, the, uh, the inductee, uh, whoever does that, the voting, uh, obviously you'd, you'd be uh, on the list, uh, 100%. Uh, I mean, you definitely, it's well-deserved. Um, we'll go through the reasons, uh, uh, why obviously why they chose you now you'll be joining, um, some inc- I mean, can- Canadian squash there. There's some absolute legends out there. Uh, goes without saying Jonathan power, Gary Waite, Dale Steiner, Graham riding Shahir Razik, Gene Turk amongst others. These are just the players. There's obviously coaches, referees, uh, people that, that have given back to the game, but amongst those players, I mean, uh, those are, those guys are absolute legends and you're, you're among them in the hall of fame. So, uh, what does it mean to be included among all those all time Canadian greats? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's an honor. I mean, yeah, I started with Dale, I guess, because probably when I was 16, uh, that's where, um, you know, kind of me and him kind of connected and he was the first Canadian to really make a push on the world scene. Mm. Um, I mean, there was hardball before that, but I was always a softball player. I mean, I grew up in Calgary, which is basically, it was just softball. So it wasn't like at, at that time, like Gary was hardball and softball. I was only softball. So I knew the names, but I, I just, I kind of responded, you know, and, to me, it was a softball crowd that I was always a part of. So, I mean, having Dale as the first um, was kind of a cool, I mean, he's a quiet, one of those quiet role models, you know, he doesn't tell you much, do what I do, you know, 
You know, did I beat you? Well, why did I beat you? You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't a man of a lot of words, but it's kind of like, you know, lead by example. And then, you know, I guess kind of Gary and I try to kind of follow, you know, um, you know, Dale in his, in his uh, you know, quest on the, on to put some time on the world tour and see how we could do. And I mean, it just kept on going after that where, um, you know, then there was, you know, Gene was in there and there's like, you know, obviously Jonathan and Graham and Shahir. So, I mean, it was, we were, I guess, the second class of guys that made a point to kind of um, try to, you know, try on the world tour and, and try to get Canada out there. And uh, a kind of a cool fact is, you know, since Dale was my role model, role model, his highest world ranking was 32, and my highest world ranking was 32. So it's f- funny that two guys, you know, from from Calgary ended up with kind of that same world ranking as their highest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if you follow uh, squash stories at all. Jamie Maddox has a social media uh, on Facebook, and it's quite interesting. He puts he posts all sorts of stuff, modern day squash stuff, but he also posts up uh, like old draws from back in the eighties, like the British Open or the you know the World Champ or whatever it is from from back then. And I noticed a while ago, he, he, I've, I saw your name on there too, but one name that uh, I saw Dale's name in the draw and against guys like uh Tristan Nancaro and you know all the uh, all the all-time greats and and he did you know he fared really really well against those guys well he was Jahangir's training buddy for a while because I mean Dale basically was you know run as hard as you can as fast Mm. as you can as long as you can (laughs) and that was literally (laughs) I mean, that that was it. And I mean, he was tenacious and, you know, I, I can see him hanging with them. And, you know, you've you've got a guy that constantly would just give it give his all. And that was kind of, you know, a great person to kind of try to like follow, you know, and then, you know, and then it was nice to kind of, you know, as I'm trailing, then you've, you know, coming out on my fringe end, you've got like Jonathan and, and, and Shahir and, and Graham. And, and it was also, you know, times of different style styles, which is kind of cool, mm-hmm. you know, a little more transition from basically just attrition to a lot more shot making and holding and, you know, with, you know, Jonathan and Graham were definitely a little bit more of that style which is, you know, when you've been around for so long, you see the transition of the game, which, uh, you know, you, 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 do you go with it? Can you can you change your game to add to it? Or do you just kind of get left in the wayside? Well, you know, for me, it was just, you know, age-related to a certain degree, you know, that, you know, you do your time and now you just hang in there. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I obviously, I saw you play quite, I don't think I ever had the opportunity to play against you. That would have been funny, but uh uh, we, uh, I, I do recall you being, you know, you're obviously you, you had an intensity uh, in your game. You had a lot of fitness. You were strong. You were fast. But you also, uh, you had quite a, you know, decent shot making game as well. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I mean, relative to the guys at the very top, I mean, that was the separation. You know, to me, just a little bit more of finish, um, and whether it was just. You know, it's always, I always kind of look back on, you know, growing up in Calgary, did that affect it? Because with the altitude, the ball stays up and you yeah. don't really get rewarded for a kill, you know, going after that ball. You know, when, you, you know, all of a sudden you transition to sea level comparison to playing it, you know, four or 5,000 feet above sea level. It's a different game. 
Mm. You know, it really is attrition based when you're at that high of altitude because the ball's got so much hang time. Do you think that helped you as well? Like sort of when, when you played uh, overseas with the fitness side of things, because you were always a super fit guy and you kept yourself in really good shape. So just because you played at altitude didn't necessarily mean that you had that fitness naturally. I think you work pretty hard at it and you still do. No. Yeah. I mean, I just, it was just, it was ingrained in me <laughs> and then it just maintained it. I mean, I mean, there's some crazy stories of Dale making me do stuff. Um, well, tell you know, tell that, that I think you told it on the last podcast, something about uh, something you were on a treadmill or something. Well, one was <laughs> Squash Canada used to make us do a VO2 uh, test. So you, you'd get, tra- you go on the treadmill until you basically couldn't run anymore. Well, Dale in the morning, not telling me we we're going to have to do a VO2 test, VO2 test in the afternoon made us do um, 24 400s on a two minute cycle in the morning. And yeah. then I knew something was up because after that, he said, well, let's have lunch together, which was a very non Dale thing to do. You just usually do a workout and you just leave. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was at University of Calgary. And then all of a sudden, Hey, let's go into this, you know, physical education bill. And next thing you know, we're doing a VO2 te- VO2 max test, you know, two hours after running 400s. And I, I mean, I, I was almost going to pass out and Dale did like collapse on the treadmill. So, uh, cause he worked so hard. So, I mean, that was the type of stuff that at a young age, you're going crap. If I can do that, you know, anything's relatively easier. I mean, that's, that's the nature of almost, you know, training. If you train hard matches can potentially be easier. So what you know, was his people. mindset? I mean, I, I guess obviously any mere mortals would probably think, okay, I've got this VO2 test. I'm going to, I'm going to save myself for it. <laughs> I, I don't know whether it was, you know, Hey, it's based on, you know, uh, your weight. So, you know, Hey, if we exercise, we're a little bit lighter. So then our VO2 max score will go up in a couple hours because it's all, you know, it's how well you expend oxygen divided by your kilograms so your weight yeah so uh, i i don't want to get into his head as the why i'm like you're just a madman and and i didn't know so <laughs> my only excuse was i didn't know any better so i you know that's a that's a question for dale but um it was it was one of those what the hell were you thinking <laughs> yeah well that, yeah that's a great story now you you grew up uh, obviously you mentioned that earlier you grew up and played uh, your your squash in Calgary. Uh, now you talk about Dale as a role model, but uh, before him, obviously there were people who had a tremendous impact on your start in squash coaches in, uh, in the area, and there were several really good ones in Calgary and, and great clubs, uh, squash clubs there. So if you don't mind, just sort of going into uh, you know who uh, impacted you uh, at you know, at a young age in terms of the coaching and where, where you played uh, your squash back then. Yeah. I mean, Calgary was a hotbed for coaches. I mean, I, yeah. I had started off with Stuart Dixon, who people know was from Victoria and unfortunately passed away just recently, but great guy. Uh, and that was my very first kind of, you know, experience with coaching. I, I, I had one lesson in Montreal before I moved um, but I would say my squash career truly started in in uh, in Calgary, and then after that we had um, um, Arthur Huff, yeah. who was a great coach, great and produced 
tons of national champions uh, out of the Glencoe Club. Uh, Ian Payton, um, you know, Beryl Payton and Amanda Payton both kind of were on the women's national team. Um, so those were two really good coaches after that. And then in my formative years, it was two guys that it was it was awesome. They they hated each other and they're from um, different clubs. Um, it was basically uh, Murray Lilly and Howard Brune. <laughs> and they were they totally are rivals as players. Um, Howard was one of the most graceful, beautiful movers, shot makers, great hands. Murray was just a freight train. I mean, ugly to watch, but so effective and completely contentious and just feisty out there. And just, it, I mean, they, they taught me different things. You know, Howard was, you know, execution based on um, you know, what's presented to you and and with good technique so you don't break down. And Murray was, hey, there's times when you just got to grind. So it was a really, really good combination. I think that, you know, you look at, and and that that combination is never going to change. I mean, when you think about it, that's that's kind of timeless squash. There's times that you just got to keep the ball and play and grind. There's other times, how will you take advantage of opportunities? You know, and and I think those are probably two of the coaches in terms of, you know, my, you know, my formative junior years that kind of created who I was moving into senior squash. Yeah, I remember Murray. Murray Lilly had the signature Black Knight uh, rack. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. I forget oh, the name. Oh, yeah. Was it the he... Squire? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at you bringing back names. I think, yeah. <laughs> nice. Good one, Jerry. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, the boat. It was either the boast or the squire. I forget. Yeah, he did have an amazing working boast. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, that's great stuff. Uh, yeah, those guys are legends. I, I was just thinking uh, as you were speaking about that. I mean, you look at the U.S. squash. This is sort of a, a, an aside, but U.S. squash nowadays, it's and you know this because you're coaching there. Uh, so many talented coaches coming from overseas. That seems to be to a lesser degree, but a sort of similar uh, way, uh, the way it was in Canada back in the early 80s, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I yeah, the 80s, the coaches came to Canada, not the U.S. Yeah. I mean, for a long time, that's where everybody came. It was kind of well, because it was all Commonwealth. Right. So that was that was the big, you know, those coaches were all English, you know, um, uh well, I mean, there was the Khan family, but I mean, they were like, you know, Kiwis, Aussies, English, and those were the kind of the core guys that moved all into the squash clubs all through uh, Canada. Yeah, Lily, Brune, you got, got I mean, Steve, uh, who we'll talk about later, Steve Lawton in, uh, in Vancouver. Yeah, John Flurry, you know, all Flurry. those guys that came over. Yeah, yeah. Mike Way. Lily um, Hosey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But uh, now... Uh, Obviously, uh, your parents had a lot to do with this as well, uh, uh, Jamie. So if you uh, you wouldn't have uh, been able to achieve uh, any of it, uh, I'm sure, with, without them. So talk about uh, how instrumental uh, they were in getting you uh, into the game of squash and then uh, getting you to sort of, uh, I guess, pursue it as uh, the way in the way that you did. Uh, well, it's kind of a yeah. So it was basically drop Jamie off at the squash club while mom plays squash. Um, my dad was athletic, but at a young age, he had rheumatoid arthritis. So I've only ever known my dad to be kind of disabled. 
So, um, so it kind of was my mom, not to say my dad wasn't athletic, but I didn't know that because by the time I was two, it was already pretty, you know, struggled hard with, you know, really sorry to hear that bad, bad rheumatoid, the rheumatoid arthritis. So, um, then it was basically, um, you know, Hey, do you want to play the game? And then it was like, okay, if we're going to be serious, we're going to start supporting you. And it's kind of a crazy story that got me into um, being like feisty on on the squash court in terms of like trying to be successful. Um, My dad lost his job. Um, My sister started um, um, diving competitively and having to travel nationally i just started to travel more provincially and because my dad losing his job my parents said we've well, got two months um whoever improves the most in the next two months gets all the funding wow okay yeah so pretty hardcore i would say that was the only parenting mistake my parents ever made um for my sister <laughs> <laughs> right for me it just uh put me on fire um, that was where all of a sudden the killer Jamie came out where all of a sudden I'm like, Hey, let's do this. And that's where I spiked in terms of really putting the time in to excel and, and, you know, really go hundred percent whenever I spent time on the court. Um, that's an amazing, so it, I got, did you, I mean, uh, your sister's older, right? She's two years older. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because like just personality types, that's exactly the poke that works for me. Um, for my sister, that's the exact poke that exploded, you know, imploded for her mm-hmm. and it didn't work in terms of parenting. And, and I, you know, like my, we've talked about it over after the year said, yeah, mom, dad, that was not the best move. <laughs> and they look back and like, oh my God. Probably laugh too. Dude, dude. Yeah. And my sister, you know, t- you know, I was called the pet for a while because, you know, once that happened, I got all the funding and <laughs> that was my nickname for probably about three years all through high school. But, um, but it it helped me and and you know we can look back in on that and but my parents after that were extremely supportive in terms of there was no punches i mean if if i screwed up like for example one time i was a punk at certain junior tournaments and i'd actually won the tournament but i um basically was mouthing off at the referee and this is in like northern part of Calgary. And when I came up out of the locker room after changing, after winning finals, there was, I, I asked the pro at the club, like where my parents did, they took off. And by the way, here's 75 cents. They gave me bus fare to, you know, take a bus home. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. And it was basically like, I, I would, I've never bused from Northern Calgary. It was like probably a two hour bus ride home you know, it's now I'm getting home at eight o'clock at night on a Sunday. My parents at the dinner table and they took my squash racket away for an, for like a month. And they said, if you ever embarrass us again. So they were hard, but I earned, you know, I deserved it. You know, those are good lessons were, though, aren't they? They, they were, you know, and it, they were super honest. You know, I don't think, you know, there was times that it's a hard conversation for them, but you know, t- those are very instrumental and kind of like, Hey, you know what, you've got to own it. And, and it's a hundred percent effort or not. 
And the same stage, if I lost, they said, hey, good match. I mean, I might have been pissed off, but they knew that I tried my hardest. And so they were very realistic, both in terms of effort and behavior on court. So other than the example I gave with my sister, I mean, they innately did things very well for for someone to be good at what they wanted to. And I don't I don't they didn't read books. It was more of just. I, I don't know why, but they were very good at parenting someone who wanted to be potentially the best that they could be. Well, they probably knew that that they had something special in you in, in terms of squash and something special in their hands, and they they wanted to do it the right way. They saw probably, you know, this is what Jesus we get we got to nip this in the bud here, and let, hopefully he learns and, and grows from it, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that was their the reasoning behind it, and. I didn't know the reason because it's sometimes, you know, when you're young, it, it just feels harsh. But looking back, I thought, I mean, they got, they got, I mean, I look at the check, they checked off the right boxes, you know, nine times out of 10, you know, it was no resentment. Like when they knew that, Hey, by the way, maybe I want a match. And it was three, two. And my parents were like, you know what? This should have been three love. And I like, Hey, what are you talking about? I won the match. And then, like, then you look back and you're like, no, you know what? If I actually tried and didn't kind of give up and be sloppy, it should have been three love. And those are sometimes times I look back and that wouldn't that again, if that was going with my sister, she would have just like not done well with that at all. For me, it was like, okay, next time, if you got a chance, take them out three love. Yeah. Yeah. I get, and I guess as a coach, I mean, you've, you've been dealing with, with parents uh, for a long, long time uh, uh, in doing what you do now, coaching. Uh, did you learn, I mean, dealing with, with parents? And I guess there, there are good parents out there and bad, you know, parents who could handle things a bit differently. But uh, but I guess you probably learned quite a bit from your parents that, that you could pass on and uh, to the parents of the juniors that that you uh, you ha- you deal with. Yeah, it's... <laughs> That's kind of hard because it's not everybody wants to hear it. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of, you know, it's a very weird that, you know, I've gone through it and they, it's not a resource sometimes. It's, I always find it very odd that, hey, you know, I kind of was someone who needed help, but yet, you know, and I've got parents that did things right and I could explain that, but it doesn't mean that they're going to listen to me. And I would say that a fair amount get it wrong. I mean, I, I'm kind of always surprised that how many just like, hey, Jamie, what what do you think that we should do? What what should I do as a parent? I don't have that sit down conversation very often. Right. I mean, I'm shocked. People are like, hey, what do you think? You know, and, and and I'm never, you know, to me, I always think it's a three pronged. It's 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 the kid, the parent, the coach. You know, that's the three pronged approach, I think, is the best way for a kid to be successful. It's it's some combination with usually the junior being obviously the biggest part to it. But, you know, parents can be I mean, they're around their kids a lot. So you're basically leading kind of, you know, how do they behave? You know, do you let things go all the time? Well, if the kid's always kind of letting things go or not detail orientated, well, then how do you think they're going to be detail orientated when they play squash? I mean, you have to let kids be kids. But at some stage, you know, your reflection um of how they're going to behave yeah absolutely uh and i guess it uh may, maybe this is kind of an aside again but i guess it just sort of depends on what these juniors want to get out of their squash right if they if they're really taking it 
uh, to, to be the best that they can be, or if they're using it for some other reason to, uh, maybe it's just, maybe it's not, they're not taking it as seriously as you did when you were a junior. And I, yeah, I let them decide. I'm not, you know, Hey, if someone just wants to have fun, so be it. But to me, it's once they say they want to be the best that they can be, that's when I get a little tougher. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, now, um, now I remember my first Canadian Nationals, uh, Junior Nationals. It was Ajax, Ontario. You were probably there. First round, I played David Sage, uh, Dennis Goodfellow's club, uh, mm. Rest His Soul. And uh, yeah. as a junior, uh, you very quickly established yourself, as you mentioned, uh, as one of the best juniors in the country, junior national team. But when when do you uh, what are your first memories uh, of junior nationals back in the day? They were just I mean, I love them. I mean, you yeah. get to, you know, you're you're you know, you're in a fringe sport. You know, you don't I mean, it, where I grew up in Calgary, I took off, you know, once the bell rang sprinted to the squash club because my my club wasn't you know adult friendly so we could play before 5 30 so i didn't socialize overly in, in in high school so you know you do your sport and then all of a sudden you go to the nationals and you're meeting up with people after two or three years in a row of people from all over the country and they're now your your friends so even though you see them two or three times out of the year they're, they're lifetime friends you know yeah and it went from, I would say, just me trying my best and socializing. It was, I mean, I would say first and foremost, it was all about having fun for me. But I've always been able to like try hard and have fun. Yeah, um, yeah. Some people can't really, they have to be serious all the time to be serious on the court. It's just not, and that doesn't make me my best version of myself. So, and then I'd say where I was definitely more serious when I kind of like, Hey, I want to, you know, Calgary was hosting the world juniors in 84. Um, and being a Calgarian, I wanted to not only make the team, but, you know, be number one on the team. And, and, and I did, I, I beat Gary twice in the Canadian team trials to play number one for Canada in Calgary, which was like, that was huge for yeah. me to kind of go, Hey, you know, now you're in your hometown and, you know, Gary was the guy growing up, you know, and so finally to take him down two times in a row um, was, was a big deal for me. So when, that when was, was that? I mean, that that's huge. I mean, Gary, uh, I, I just remember every, every Canadian junior nationals uh, that it was, you know, it was either, you know, he'd, he'd be in the final. He'd generally, he, yeah, he'd win, win them. Uh, yeah. so, uh, you know, if, in my age group, it was Saber. <laughs> he he right. won everything. Uh, right. But, uh, uh, when was that? And that, that, that's huge for you. That would have been, so it was an 84. So it would have been like the, it was either the fall or early 84 where first it started with the top eight. I mean, it was a crazy, I mean, the first round, the first trial was the top eight guys got invited. You played all eight guys over four days. So who, who were they? Let, let me guess. Okay, I'll try to guess here. Um, okay. yourself, Gary, uh, probably Saber, Bob Ballinger, um, uh, 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 Max Withers, uh, T Trevor Tom. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose it here now. Lee Bogus. Uh, <laughs> how close am I? Mm, a little bit off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Uh, yeah. Trevor Tom was there. Uh, Greg Leahy was there. 
Right. Sushane Sony, right. he was yeah, three. Yeah. Paul Gardner was four. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think Rob Welsh. Rob Welsh, yeah. How could I forget uh, that? Yeah. So big time. And then, man. so then yeah. from that we had the four Doc guys. Dolmage? And then, uh, no, Dalmage wasn't. No. 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 No, Dalmage or Nash or or um, Chris Stevens weren't there yet. Okay. Um, and then after that, there's a Withers second. Withers was there, though, right? With, yeah, yeah, I th yeah, I think he was. And then, uh, then the last all us four played again to to decide the team order. So who were the four? Sorry, I missed that. Um, Paul Gardner, Sushane, Sony, Gary, and myself. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sushane was silky. He he was a good player. Oh yeah, yeah. He was the first to bring international coach over. He had a. Uh, yeah, it was it was controversial at the time. Yeah, yeah, he was anti-establishment, was it? Well, they didn't. We didn't have private coaches. No one like you know now. They, and it was, I think, a squash Canada board meeting. Even it went progressed to that. That can you bring a private coach to these where it was just basically a mom or dad might coach you, right? So yeah. Well, yeah, that that that's a, I mean, nineteen eighty four, great team there, and and a great result yeah. for you to do it in Calgary. Uh, yeah, we finished fourth too, so that was pretty good. Yeah, who who won it? Australia. Uh, Australia, yeah. Australia, England, Pakistan, you. Yes. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. Now, um, I mean, you obviously you had tremendous years as a junior. So uh, Gary was one of your rivals over that over that period who else uh, were the guys that you uh you had you butted head heads with a lot yeah i mean it it you know because i was around for a while it 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 always changed i mean that was a thing when you kind of around from 84 till you know 99 got come people come and go during that stage so i mean there was there's usually a solid pretty like you know, the national team level, the the four were usually pretty solid. Like, you know, um, it was actually the first year that Jonathan made the team, which was, I think, 91. Um, Jonathan actually had to beat Jim Geddes twice in a row to make the team, which I don't think people realize that, like, Jim was actually close to being on the team that year. Did they both go five games as well? I, yeah, you know, you never beat Jim in four back then. He was he used to fly around the court like a maniac. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I don't remember where they were both five or I think one could have been five, one could have been four. Yeah. But you know, like, you know, Gene was solid, then he faded, then, you know, Saber came in. Um, and then you've got like, you know, Graham came in, Jonathan came in, Kelly Patrick came in. So, you know, you're trying to through the years and hold off, you know, Trevor Tom, when I was, you know, he never made the national team, but he was close as one of those guys that was kind of, you know, there's always those guys, you know, Winston made it, you know, one year, there's always some guys that kind of occasionally made it, but weren't consistent on the team or didn't last for very long. You know, Jamie Hickox, even though a great player didn't move back to Canada until he was a little older. So he made a team or two. Um, so, you, you know, you go through, there's always kind of like a solid core, um, you know, the Gary, then, you know, Gary transitioned into doubles. And even though he probably could have made a few more teams, potentially he became 
more of a, a you know a double specialist. Yeah, he dominated you know, doubles for a lot of yeah. Doubles, so, yeah. So I mean, there's you know, you know, you, you you know, I went from you know idolizing Dale to beating Dale, you know, and that's you know you get that you know that I mean that happens through the years where you know the guys that you were once kind of you looked up to are now is that if you know if you if you've if you've progressed and you've done well then you start being the person who, who beats them. And it's kind of always well, a proud moment. Like? Of- I mean, the first time, I mean, obviously I've talked about this to, to a few people uh, over the last few years and, you know, it's the, the idol that they had and then beating them. Uh, it, how did that feel? I mean, how, how did that uh, sort of, what, what, what happened after? Like how, how was Dale after that? Oh, well, it's just, I mean, I think I have, I think I've got the picture actually in the inductee, uh, pictures i sent uh lolly gillian uh there's me shaking hands with dale and his kind of his head's down and it's one of those things that i'm just like uh you know i'm finally beating kind of what i consider you know your idol you know it's it's always kind of a quiet proud moment you know like if you're in his you know if you're in their face it's disrespectful for someone who's helped you but it's one of those quiet proud moments where you just quietly shake their hand and and you just go you know, I, Hey, this is a long time coming and I've earned this and, and just enjoy the moment and, you know, not to be disrespectful for the guy that helped you on the way. So I, I just think that's the way to handle it. Um, and you can go and jump around your hotel room after and be a fool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Now, uh, just in terms of the national championships, uh, you know, obviously, uh, so that you just mentioned so many really, really good players that came through during your period, Gary Saber, Jonathan Graham, uh, that would have made it really difficult for you to, to win one of those. Uh, so how close did you come to, to getting a national title? Uh, you know, obviously you didn't get one, but, uh, you, you probably came close a few times. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been so long ago. I mean, I, and I, I think I was like 23 straight years of quarterfinals or better. So it was a long time just entering the nationals, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, they're long years and it's, you know, it's, it's, I look back and, you know, what was your, my focus sometimes, you know, was there times where, you know, we, Gary was 12 and, you know, that's probably going to be a tough beat, you know, or <laughs> probably, you know, you, I look back and there's ones I probably would have, you know, let slip by, you know, mm. um, did I get to the final? Yeah. Like four times, six times. I don't know how many times I got to the finals. I mean, gotta be at least four could be six. I don't, I don't actually, I, mean, I, I know. I mean, I knew you, the, the Canadian, uh, the men's team championships. That's, that's when we used to the provincial team championships. That's when I used to bump into you a lot when, when I'd represent Nova Scotia. And, uh, uh, I just remember, I mean, that that's more of a social thing anyways, right? But I just right. remember you, uh, we we would kind of hang out late into the night and then play early <laughs> early in the mornings. Uh, uh, but I was just wondering, uh, it, it, like, uh, during those national events, did you, uh, I mean, uh, you probably had a couple of beers uh, before a final. Well, the, 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 biggest, <laughs> the biggest regret was, I think, I was playing um, Graham in the finals. And Graham wasn't yet... 12 or whatever in the world, whatever he was high was. And I had Willie <laughs> Joe Basso staying at my place. Uh-oh. Um, 
you know, Willie comes in at one, Joe comes in at four. I get woken up at 7.30. Hey, Jamie, can you drive me to the Winter Club uh, for my match? So then, you know, rather than saying, you know, Joe, screw you, I need to sleep. I got the finals. I drove him and then come back. And then an hour later, Will said, hey, by the way, I got my, you know, three, four playoff. Can you drive me? And then I drive him, go back. I just think that, like, of, of the years in Calgary with altitude, it's probably one I let slip by and say, I probably said, guys, just let me have my uh, house to myself and you guys get a hotel. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you yeah. know, maybe other times that the guys were better than me. But I, if I look back and all of them, like, that was probably the one I'm like, I should have said, guys, as much as I'm saving you a couple hundred dollars, I need to be selfish this weekend and give myself, try to earn myself a title. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, that that's a that's one that you look you you probably look back on and want to uh, you know if you could change, but uh, you know those guys are good guys, Willie and yeah. Joe. I mean, they're they're absolute uh, legends and real. I mean, I know I know them both a little bit, and uh, always uh, good good guys. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Now uh, let's talk about the the world teams. I know you you re- as you mentioned represented Canada uh, at four or five. I think five of them actually starting in 1985. I just want to go through the names on that team. It was Gary Waite, uh, Dale Steiner, who we've talked quite a bit about yourself, and the one and the only uh, Steve Lawton. That name oh, sticks out amongst all those, right? <laughs> that was the craziest worlds ever. <laughs> yeah well uh what give, give us a little uh a bit of an anecdote there uh, what what did steve do to uh to to entertain on and off the court okay so here we go <laughs> we, we need a team meeting we're a team meeting we've got a bit of a problem what's that and um tony swift's the national coach he goes um steve seems to be having a bit of a drinking problem <laughs> and so well what are we talking about well he's having like i uh, um you know five to seven beers a night so we we have to have a meeting to kind of get steve down onto how many beers he'll agree to to have and so i'm like an 18 year old kid and like we're talking about how many beers this guy is allowed to drink during a world championships yeah so which is a very bizarre conversation so i think we convinced him that he could get down to like four beers i mean it could have been more than that that he was i don't remember because it's you know 85 yeah so steve was a nightmare to wake up (laughs) and so we're going for like team breakfast and steve's not there and it's now it's my turn to wake steve up so i go into the room and steve's like hung over from the previous night. I'm like, how can he get hung over from, you know, four beers? <laughs> well, so yeah. Steve hadn't. So back then it was illegal to drink in Egypt unless you got a medical note saying it's for medicinal purposes. So we went to the bar and got Steve enough beer for the whole duration of the whole like 10 days. So imagine we quoted four beers a day over 10 days. So that's the amount of beer we bought him. So Steve didn't drink for two days. So that night he so drank. He, he relied on the worth team. Of beer. None of you guys drank, right? No, None I mean. So he relied no, on you guys. No. For, I mean, Dale, I mean, Dale wasn't a drinker and Gary and I were like young as 
you know, we weren't into, you know, the, the, the beers came later in my squash career socially, but you know, so I got to wake Steve up with a hangover in the middle of like a world team championship. I'm like, what team does this happen to <laughs> other than, but you know, Steve was a trooper. He's one of those guys. He played as hard as you can. There was oh, yeah. never an excuse. And you, know, you probably went out there and played really well too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was solid. We, I think we yeah, finished. Like he, he was, so, he was probably one of the more, I mean, you, I always loved watching you, you play and uh, Gary had his, had, had his uh, exciting way of playing, but Steve, uh, there's only one Steve Lawton. I mean, we finished six to eighth in the world that year. I mean, so we were competitive. So it's funny, as I say that you kind of like, well, uh, no, I mean, we were a good team. I mean, even though we were really young and Dale was kind of the leader and, <laughs> and Steve was like the, what not to do. <laughs> like it was like, Dale's like the what to do, and Steve was the what not to do. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And then, then in uh, in 1991, uh, and you you sort of alluded to it earlier. Uh, the team, um, I forget where this team championship was, but it was Finland. Uh, Turk, Finland. Okay, Gene Turk, Gary Waite, uh, yourself, and for the first time, I guess he would have been like 16 or 15. I don't know. Jonathan Power in 1991. Yeah. Uh, 16. Yeah. He must have been, or younger. So J, the JP doc just came out, and uh, uh, I don't know if you saw the two, the first two or three episodes of it, uh, or not. But uh, you played him, uh, and you knew him well uh, at that age, right? The documentary really didn't get into uh, what he was like back then, but I knew him because uh, obviously he came from Prince Edward Island and and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, what was it like? with him there uh, on the team uh, and that, and what was that team? Uh, what was the the dynamic like there? Well, <laughs> I mean, it was just like, shake your head at this kid that oozes with talent and just, you know, immature, but he's 16. So it's not like, it's not a, a negative. It's just the nature of someone who just so talented at it, that age. Like there's no, there was no 16 year olds. He's at that. It's, it's a bunch of men and Jonathan <laughs> Power. I mean, so the the laughing thing is just how well he could basically hang in there only because of the talent. I mean, his his ability already just I always it was amazing to me what you saw that he didn't do. <laughs> like sometimes you look at Jonathan's shots and they're not ooh, but somehow as the the player playing him, you felt he was doing something different. Yeah, yeah. The shots aren't always an inch above the tin, but somehow you you weren't on it quickly, and somehow you got caught going the wrong way, and it, it kind of took away kind of those people at that age that were stronger, fitter than them, and kind of had that equalizing factor at that age. Obviously, that what separated him to smoke people later on in his career, but at that stage, he didn't have any right to be on court with these guys because there was so much stronger and, and and Jonathan his first step was amazing you know like if, if we were talking about a VO2 max I I would always be better than Jonathan but in terms of his power and his first step unbelievable I mean it really is really impressive um he hated getting caught going the wrong way I mean Jonathan did not get caught going the wrong way very often and that you know, he really tracked the ball well. 
And his first step was super accurate. Always got his momentum going in the right direction. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's amazing. Even I mean, for a kid that age to be that aware on, on court uh, at 16. And then I know you, uh, I mean, you you played him quite a bit in probably a lot, a lot of finals and a lot of tournaments and, and had uh, quite a bit of success against him when he was young. I remember, um, I don't know if you remember that tournament, but the Quebec, it was the Quebec Open. Might have been 92 or three, might have been two years three years later before he really hit the the big time. Uh, do you remember that, that event? Because I think you played JP in the final and, and beat him three, two. Yeah. I mean, that was when he was starting to get a bit scary, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. rather, you know, rather than, you know, keep the ball in play and he'll self-destruct if, you know, he doesn't just end the point and, and, you know, the, but what I mean, I, I I don't want to talk about JP. We all know how great he was. But what was it about you that enabled you to beat that kid? Who you know he he's one of the best world junior, almost world junior champion. I mean, you were playing tremendous squash. So what was it about your game that that enabled you to to beat him up until a well, certain I, point? I, mean, I, th- I I think. Um... You know, being on the ball quickly, keeping the ball um, pretty accurate and keeping in front didn't really allow Jonathan to be creative, which later on would have had the switch. So I think at that stage, just the ability to physically stay in front of him and being able to know that I'm going to last longer than you are and that there wasn't a lot there that could beat me that all of a sudden near the end, I didn't have anything left. Um, you know, and, and, you know, at some stage, you know, in this, in this scenario, it, it switched where, you know, his length got so much better that all of a sudden the front game became that much more, you know, where the holes, the flicks and all that, just take your legs out. But at that stage, it was like, I could get in front of him. I could dominate. I could move him around a little bit more where I was, dictating a little bit more, getting him out of his comfort zone. And that's, you know, sometimes, hey, at that stage, it was if I had more endurance, then that was the victory. And that was the reason why I won, you know, and that's 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 based on whoever you play. You know, if 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 they're if they can somehow make them either go too fine or all of a sudden they've got nothing left and they, you know, start putting the ball loose and short advantage flips to you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You and then. uh in 19 i mean you you uh, you played in the pan am games several times as well and uh, in 1999 uh you repped canada that was your la- the last time you repped canada wasn't it in 19 19- yeah yeah where you won the team gold so a lot is uh, a lot has changed in the squash landscape uh, i mean canada is really struggling right now just to you know to to get to the podium maybe not so much on the women's side but uh you know, in the Pan Am games, and you've got uh, you've got to deal with Colombia, Peru. I mean, you're <laughs> you're going to struggle right now. Uh, so, what do you remember uh, about that event and uh, how uh, how well the team performed? Because it was obviously a different uh, beast back then. Well, yeah, ninety five was the first time, and that was well, I, I mentioned to you. I think that's the best team ever comprised of any national team. Yeah, the 95 uh, team that was the 95 Jonathan, team. Gary was it Gary and, Sab- and Sabir Butt. 
Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that was stacked team. Um, and that was just, I mean, you Saver know, was top 30 in the world at one point or at least around there too, right? He, he was, was top 20. Top he was 20. top 20. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, him at, him at three, me at four. I mean, that's, I mean, I, I don't even know where the highest Canadian ranked is right now. I mean, probably out of the hundred. So, I mean, yeah. it's that not, it's not, yeah. it's not what it used to be in terms of, um, and that was just, I don't know, that's the generation. And those, those, those Pan Am games were the biggest event, you know, in terms of, a they're they're a bigger event i i you know in terms of well, squash pre, only pre commonwealth teams right before the commonwealth games uh, in, uh included squash right was, right yeah. i mean those are just huge events and you're running into you know some of the best athletes in other sports in the world so it's that that's kind of a cool thing where you know silken lehman who was under canada's best rowers mm, was at right. one of them and you know you get the world class you know, swimmers. So it, it's, it's a pretty cool event to be a part of where you're seeing some of the best athletes in the world, you know, go around the athlete village. Um, Cause we're not in the Olympics. So it, to me, in terms of a huge international event, that's just, it's a nice little kind of icing onto, you know, the other events that, that I've done throughout the years. You would have gotten a bit of mainstream uh, press coverage, I would imagine having a, uh having gotten to the podium a couple of times. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, I think in Winnipeg, it was huge because it was yeah the, the 99 um, because that was right in Canada. So I think there was, and I think, uh, I think I remember Kelsey um, Lundmark or Sushro now, I think she had a, a, a sign that made national front page news in Canada. And it was funny because I think the women won, the men won, and I forget what happened in the individuals because it was a weird. It's a they they'd switched they'd switched how many people could play in the individual event through the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that one so that one country didn't get all the the medals or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, that, thanks for bringing that up, Jerry. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> jerk. Sorry, <laughs> yeah what 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 uh if you don't it was something happened there with you if you if do you want to talk about it well unless you have a bronze medal for me um, yeah tell us i mean yeah yeah i mean <laughs> obviously uh, everyone i mean you know uh, uh you you talk about it so what, what happened well so we <laughs> all, all four canadians made it to the semifinals in uh in uh argentina uh gary beat jonathan for gold medal jonathan silver i beat sabir for bronze i thought (laughs) they do the medal presentation and they present it to um uh, frederico uzenazaga um and i was there i'm like what is this a joke because i'm getting like punked and at they had this funky rule that no country could um sweep the medals so it begs the question why did you and saber play i don't know why i mean yeah they they should have known they should have if if that was the rule they should have implemented it and he should have some two other people should have played 
right? Well, thank thank you, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. So yeah. So yeah. Way to bring up you know one of my biggest pet peeves of squash ever. Well, this this is it. I mean, the, the, I mean, these are. So I, I want right now. Let's start. Medal. You're you're the bronze. This. I want my chance. goddamn medal. You are the 1995 uh, Pan Am Games bronze medalist. Yeah. Right. And the funny thing was, they gave me uh, they gave me uh, a signed document with like a I don't know a, a certificate that I finished third. I don't want the certificate, Jerry. I want the bronze medal around my neck. <laughs> well make sure you don't uh don't uh, sort of belabor this one on the induction speech okay yeah i'll, tr I'll try not to <laughs> you're not invited <laughs> well yeah well i mean uh you're bronze medalist i mean you know it uh who's yeah. the guy who won it uh the frederico Uzendez frederico, frederico he knows it so yeah. uh, i'm sure right. he <laughs> but uh yeah sorry about that Jim. no problem no problem. <laughs> uh, but um, now, just to, you know, you've been great with your time. I just wanted to ask you this one. I mean, uh, given all that backstory that we just talked about, uh, you've had so many accomplishments over the years, so many wins, so many uh, great things that you've had through the game of squash. Uh, if you could pick a couple or one that, that sort of stands out for you, uh, an achievement, uh, what would it be? Um, I, I would say kind of three, uh, mm -hmm. one would be, um, in terms of juniors, you know, playing number one for Canada in Calgary, um, just a big deal for me personally with, you know, your family there and, and yeah. when you're hosting it in your hometown, it's a, that was a big deal for me and a lot of hard work, obviously to finish number one. Um, two would be, you know, the first time I kind of made it into the quarterfinals, uh, was beating Dale, um, at the Canadian nationals in Vancouver. Um, just, it's just, you know, prideful because of just all the work that he'd done and invested into me and, you know, having it where cause of his support is the reason why I beat him, you know, and that was always kind of, to me, it's where, you know, you're like, okay, hey, I've made it, you know, and, and I've made it through kind of you, <laughs> even yeah. though I, I'm, I'm beating you. It's, it was one of those great moments where, you know, Dale and I have always been quiet friends and we wouldn't, you know, we don't keep in touch overly, but when we do run into each other, we can sit there and be, have very comfortable silence. <laughs> and it's like, you know, like, you know, it's not, yeah, I, I just have respect for him. So that would be something that in terms of, um, um, you know, a, a, an individual moment, it's kind of be one that was kind of a proud moment for me. And then I guess the third would just be the longevity of how long I was a part of the national team where, you know, my point was, Hey, as long as I can, I'm going to try to make the team and, and, and help us in their national competition. So, you know, from 84 to 99, I made the team and I tried the best as I could on those occasions to, help Canada in any way I could. So, you know, that was pretty well my whole time till I moved here in the U.S. I was actually on the Canadian national team. So, you know, you travel the world, you meet tons of different guys, and you're basically trying to represent Canada the best of your ability. 
And I took those seriously. And, and, um, you know, we did, we did well. I've never meddled at world teams, but, you know, we've always were respectable. You always wish you could always get out of your pool. I, I went through the results. You guys always got out of the first pool of matches. You'd, you'd usually win all your matches in the first, you know, that first pool of matches, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we were more often not the, the top eight while I was on the, the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it was, it kind of switched, you know, um, near the end. It'll, we, you know, we had a little bit tougher time and I think in Egypt or last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, that that's, I mean, it, it's they're long seasons. People don't realize those are a huge grind. I mean, you're playing everyone at that event is top four from their country. I mean, yeah. day after day, you're playing one of the top four guys in their country. You know, round one, round two, round three, round you know, and it's 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 a tough. You know, you're overseas, you're in a foreign place, and all of the above. And meanwhile, you're playing the best guys in the world. I mean, great experience, but they're they're tough grind. So, to me, every time we've won matches, you know, I'm I'm proud of those victories. Well, those uh, those accomplishments, uh, Jamie, are, are absolutely amazing. And I just, you know, I'm so happy for you. And uh, again, congratulations on, on uh, being inducted into the Hall of Fame. You really well deserved. And uh, yeah, enjoy the uh, the induction ceremony. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. That's awesome. Uh, but before you go, uh, oh, no. yes, before you go, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it was, a, yeah, it was uh, two years ago, uh, almost, uh, when Jack Fairs passed away, the legendary uh, Western Mustangs coach. And I reached out to you, I think at that time, I don't know if you remember, I, I sort of said, I'd like to do a testimonial uh, to to Jack. And I, you know, I thought of you uh, and sort of dropped the ball. We didn't get it done. Just uh you know, Jack's a Hall of Famer himself. So, uh, and you spent a lot of time there. Uh, you hold, uh, as you mentioned earlier, you've been inducted into the University of Western Ontario Sports Hall of Fame. So, talk about uh, Jack because he's, uh, you know, I didn't know him at all. Uh, and a lot of people may not know who he is. And uh, he deserves, uh, you know, may- maybe you can say a few words about him uh, and how special he was uh, to squash at Western and, and in Canada. Well, yeah, I mean, he was just an amazing character and he was a part of University of West Ontario's just, I mean, he was from sport to sport, ended up squash, uh, loved the game. He just was, he turned kind of, I would say, you know, young juniors into men. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would be the best way to... He just his character was incredible. Um, he meant one of the best of everybody. Uh, was very inclusive. Um, always had time for you. I mean, his door was always open. Whether it was you know, you know, bitching about this or you know, promoting this or whatever. I mean, it it it's 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 less of kind of squash coach as almost you know a parent at your at your university mm. where the doors open you know what's going on with girlfriend what's going on with your classes you know you know anything squash related i mean it was a full spectrum and, and 
the stories that Jack could tell on these car rides. I mean, we'd go to Cornell <laughs> University and finish at, I don't know, like six o'clock and then have to drive like eight hours home or I'd seem like an eternity and Jack wouldn't stop talking. And the stories were just like about wrestling in Canada and yeah, music. And I mean, wrestling, like, like pro wrestling. Oh yeah. 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 He was obsessed with <laughs> pro wrestlers. Carl so, 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 so I know about all these pro wrestlers and I'm not even wrestling just through his stories, but he's one of those guys. He just, whatever the story was, he was so into it. You would just get drawn into his stories and um, he's just storyteller. I mean, so to me, it was one of those guys that was just this friendly voice that, you know, Oh shit, Jamie. Oh, great. You know, like he had this kind of, and in many cases he'd be talking and you're the co-pilot. Meanwhile, we'd be on the New York turnpike. We'd miss Cornell's exit by like (laughs) 90 minutes. So you just yeah. going on like, hey, hey, I, hey, Jack, I just think we missed the exit. And he would just sit there. Oh, shit, man. We turn around and we would have to be late. And... <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the times of kind of the van coming back from events were just some of these priceless times where it just drew you in and, and everyone would be hanging out together and no one was on their phone. I mean, you're always talking or sleeping. Different time. And it was it was the time before cell phones where those were quality times. Um, and, you know, we had the worst facilities at Western till I guess they've got good, good ones now, but it didn't matter. I mean, you go out for team practice and Jack would be out there, you know, supporting you and no matter what you did. And that's all you want. I mean, I, it, I've dealt with some technical coaches, wasn't necessarily Jack's forte, but is it a guy that, you'll always remember in a positive way. I mean, I don't know anyone who has anything negative to say about Jack. I mean, you, you, you phone a thousand people. Um, you're pretty, you're pretty well batting a thousand. I mean, that that's the type of guy he was and just a great guy. Um, he had a lot of influence on so many, I mean, yourself, you got Dean Brown, Garrett, Gary Waite. uh, so many of our best players came through, uh, Western, didn't they? And, and, uh, he had some sort of impact on all of them. I mean, he was recruiting me in my, my guess my junior year, he'd phone me up in Calgary and I literally couldn't get him off the phone. I had homework to do. And my mom and dad be screaming. And I'm like, I'm still on the phone with Jack. And my dad went to Western. So, you know, he's like, okay, you can stay on the phone with him. Cause he, you know, he wanted me to go there, but I'm like, I got homework to do. Like Jack, it's like, I like, I like all the stories, but yeah, yeah. I got to get my marks to get in there. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. It's not the easiest university to get into. So, yeah. So, so yeah, there's only positive stories of Jack Fair. So rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace, Jack. And uh, Jamie, uh, once again, uh, congratulations on the induction. I really appreciate your time. Always yeah. good uh, catching up with you. And uh, let's do it. In, let's get together one of these days. Uh, maybe I'll take a trip down to Ohio when I head back nice. home this summer. I, I like that. For all, all, okay, take care. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye. Well, that was absolutely amazing. Great having Jamie back on, and congratulations to him. Also to Saber, but Lolly Gillen and Dick Pound for their inductions into the Squash Hall of Fame in Canada. You know, I'd love to have Saber on one of these days. Uh, I remember back 
uh, I think it was, yeah, my first year in under 18 uh, at the Canadian Junior Nationals. And Saber and I uh, moved through the age groups together. Uh, Saber won every single age group from, you know, when I started uh, playing in Junior Nationals back in under 12, I believe it was. He was always uh, just, you know, kicking everyone's ass. And I think it was in, in under 19. I'd never played him before. But uh, I'd won my first round, and I think it was a second-round match where I ended up having to play uh, uh, Saber in the second round. And I was, uh, I was pretty pumped after a solid start. Uh, but I knew it was going to end pretty uh, uh, fairly abruptly. Uh, uh, meanwhile, though, I, I'd won the first two points of that match, and I thought, uh, well, this uh, I, I'm just going to try to keep this going. And I remembered like it was um, yesterday, Saber's brother, Sajid, said something from the gallery and I forget forget exactly what it was what it was but uh, Saber proceeded to win 27 straight points against me uh it was he was serving up bagels after those uh after that first game and uh you know, he went on to win that one and many more uh, Canadian national championships he won. And uh, Saber's one of the coolest guys around, super down to earth, and pretty much, as I said, pretty much unbeatable throughout my junior nationals experience. Obviously, he had to contend with some, some great players like uh, like Jamie and uh, Gary Waite, Jonathan Power, obviously, Graham Riding. Uh, once he moved into the senior ranks and it became very competitive uh, at that point, but uh, yeah, I'd love to uh, to track uh, Saber down uh, one of these days and have him on. That'd be a great chat uh, to catch up with him. Now, just in terms of what's coming up uh, on the podcast, I don't want to jinx anything, which uh, which means obviously I've got something big uh, uh, in the works. But suffice to suffice it to say, if all goes accordingly, I've got a really good one coming up, and with some other great apps as well. We've got David uh, Campion coming on this weekend. He'll be joining us following uh, his trip to the European Team Championship and prior to heading over to Chicago for the World Championships. Speaking of which, we're going to have Johnny Williams on prior to the World Champs to break it all down. And I can't wait. Another episode with the the legend himself, Rob Dinnerman. He's going to break down the, the college uh, squash season, which uh, finished up and much, much more. I'm sure we're going to get into some doubles chat. And uh, maybe uh, he's got a new book coming out and we'll be uh, talking about that as well. So lots to look forward to here. Everybody, thanks so much for listening please share the pods with your squash community give us a like give us a shout out on social media and uh you know if you want drop a few pennies in that paypal hat which is located on the soundcloud page for in squash podcast all the best to all of you with your squash and enjoy the weekend ahead goodbye now